Hello and welcome to the brand new series of Feels Like Healing with me, Al Lewis. Before we begin this episode, I just wanted to let you know that we're going to be doing a special live recording of Feels Like Healing on Wednesday the 25th of January at 7pm at St John's Church in Canton in Cardiff, where my panel will include the actress Hannah Daniel, the filmmaker and director Gavin Porter, and the actress and writer Caris Hilary. All three of my special guests have been impacted by grief and have used creativity as a way to help them better understand their loss. If you'd like to be in the audience for this special live recording of Feels Like Healing, you will find a link in the episode description to where you can reserve your ticket. Entry is free, and I look forward to seeing you there. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Feels Like Healing with me, Al Lewis. A podcast where I talk to artists about how creativity has helped them process their grief. The reason I'm making this podcast is because when I was 21, I lost my dad to MS. That seismic moment in my life made me decide to become a singer-songwriter. I'd been making music before that point, but never considered it a life choice or as a career. However, after the death of my dad, creativity became a solace for me, in a way I could express both my joy and my pain. It made me feel alive in the very moment when I was confronted with the ephemeral nature of life and the devastating reality of loss. So I wanted to talk to other people who've ended up in the creative world, but who've also experienced loss, to see whether they have similar stories of why they got into creativity, or whether they were already creative people and just happened to suffer grief. I hope during these conversations that I will come to better understand grief and why it makes us feel how we feel and do what we do. This is Feels Like Healing. My guest this week on Feels Like Healing is the singer, songwriter, producer, and founding member of the band Tongue, Sam Genders. Sam and his friend Mike Lindsay formed Tongue in 2003, so almost 20 years ago now, um, but the band have released eight studio albums, the latest one being Dead Club, which I was drawn to by the name and also the concept behind it, which was to study the differences that cultures have in their relationship to death and dying and as well as making the album Sam and his bandmate Becky also did an accompanying podcast also called Dead Club in which they talk to people who are either uh, creatives who have talked about death in their creative work or people whose jobs deal directly with death and dying which I also found really interesting and I fully recommend that the listeners go and listen to the Dead Club podcast and the interviews on that. So um, I wanted to talk to Sam and see what he'd learnt about death and dying from not only making the podcast but also making the album and see if it had changed his his viewpoint on some of these things. So um, hello Sam first of all. Hi Al, nice to be here. Where are you talking to me from right right now? Uh, I am in our cabin, which is on the west coast of Sweden, uh, close to a place called Uddevalla, if people about an hour north of Gothenburg. That's that's pretty cool. We haven't had anybody from Sweden yet on the podcast, so okay. I'm glad that we can tick that one off. <laughs> yeah. So to begin with, I, I briefly described the, your beginnings in the band Tongue, but if we go even further back, what was your first sort of a foray into creativity on a on a personal level was it at school was it what was the trigger point for you to look into being a musician well I guess 
my parents are both quite artistic and so that was sort of around around me as a child anyway and I, I I remember listening to sort of Beatles records when I was you know very small and pestering my mum for guitar lessons uh, which I did eventually <laughs> get when I was about I guess seven or eight years old I started having guitar lessons um, with a lovely guy who was a classical guitarist but I didn't really I didn't fully take to the sort of classical method and I, I was not mm -hmm. very good at practicing the, the pieces that I was supposed to practice but I did just naturally from the very start really enjoy making up little tunes it sort of seemed like the natural thing to do with the instrument so I guess it started there and I started writing my first songs when I was about 10 and got in a band when I was 12 and sort of was in a band that played around pubs and clubs in sort of the north of England and gradually yeah gradually it just became something that I love to do I had a bit of a break in my late teens and early 20s when I studied a bit and worked in a factory and things like that but then um I I was gonna I was all ready to go off to university and I'd gone back to college and got some A-levels and I was working in a pub that put but put music on and I started arranging like a singer-songwriter night, like a, a sort mm -hmm. of session kind of night in that pub. And really, really enjoyed it and got into right. I would sort of put the night on and then I would play at some, try and play a song I'd written at some point. And myself and a few friends, it became a really great, lovely thing that we did and enjoyed a lot. And I think that was when I really, that was when it really became something that I started to think of as, well, maybe this is something I could actually do as a, I mean, well, I really wanted to do it as a career at that point. So, yeah. And was that the was that the point where you thought, yeah, I want to be a musician? Having started that night, was that the catalyst for you to think actually this would, this would be something I'd love well, to do as a job? I suppose I'd, I'd actually thought that since I was nine or ten years old. That's what I kind of thought I would love to to do. You know, in my teens and early twenties, it, it sort of got mixed in with this very sort of healthy drive to be creative and want to perhaps um, have a life of making music and performing got mixed in with a sort of slightly unhealthy drive I would say that I was I was quite insecure at that time um, very, very insecure and struggling with life and I found going to work and going to college that all those kind of things where you're interacting with the world quite stressful um, I had a lot of great times too but it was it was a sort of challenging time and I, I, there was this part of me that kind of imagined that to have, go and have this career as a singer would be a kind of escape and I wouldn't have to mm -hmm. do all those things which I found so hard to do. So that, that wasn't an entirely healthy drive, I don't think. Um, yeah. Because, I, you know, I've, I've since learned that that's a, a little bit of an illusion to think that you can escape into into a sort of this magical career <laughs> magical career yeah and, uh, well it's interesting that you that you mention that sort of element of escapism because i, I it comes up a lot in, on this podcast this idea that creativity can be a form of escapism from from day-to-day -day life and whatever issues you do have in your day daily life and how that has been something that has been an, an appeal to a lot of musicians to go on the road and literally physically displace yourself from from normality and and the, your friends and family and having that detachment is sometimes really appealing isn't it and 
yeah and yeah. Then, i guess so, so at that point then if we fast forward from that night uh, the, that night that you would put on when did you meet mike and and start the band uh, it was it was if not not that long after that um two or three years maybe i, I as part of that sort of um move to try and become a, at that time a singer songwriter i i started doing gigs solo shows further afield and in london and i decided i would move to london and it felt like that's where the opportunities were if you wanted to you know get at that point the, the dream was to get a record deal um so i did that and i did a few shows down there I was working in bars and mike you know through a friend uh, mike came along to one of the shows and um he he was i can't remember the exact details of this but he was he asked me to sing on something for him because he was doing he was making music for like tv adverts and things at that time so he asked me to come along and do a bit of singing for him and i was interested in him would he consider um uh, the bit i've missed out is that i this the mutual friend had played me a demo of mike's and i thought he was a really interesting producer so i asked if he'd produce a track for me so we did both those things and neither of them quite worked but we, there was something interesting there so we decided to try something together and that that when we tried that that was really something a bit sort of special happened and something it felt really interesting and exciting so we just i think it was like every wednesday evening after i finished work i would go over to his studio and we'd spend a few hours making some music which and event, eventually that became the first tongue album and and you guys were at the vanguard really of this new this new sound, this new blend of folk music and electronica, folktronica, as people dubbed it, um, mm. that must have been uh, quite an interesting time because that that sort of genre and that movement really took off at that point, didn't it? It did. It was. We were very lucky. I think you know it just sort of fell <laughs> fell at exactly the right time for it to have a bit of success, um, and it was yeah, really fascinating, great, really really interesting time. Um, I mean, again, I was sort of quite struggling a bit on a personal level at those times. So on one level, I didn't quite realise, having having sort of been through the system and having had some time in the industry now, I sort of realised, wow, we were really getting some incredible opportunities. That was that was incredible, you know. Um, so in some ways, I didn't quite appreciate it for just how great these opportunities were. Yeah. Uh, and in other ways, it was... Um, really wonderful really creative had some amazing experiences yeah and and you know we made some relationships we're still together as a band and working together i guess all this time later so it's been a really um great experience that's quite impressive um for a band having been in bands myself i know the shelf life can be quite short sometimes so the fact that we're in 2022 now almost 20 years since the first tongue record and you guys are still making music together there's uh there's obviously a, a good strong bond there and a, and a mutual appreciation for what you each bring to each other i think so yeah i think i mean i did leave the band for a few years and went off and did some other things and uh, i think that was really good for me to do and i think it was quite good for yeah. them as well. i think it was good for them as well <laughs> <laughs> um don't know what you've got till it's till it's gone exactly yeah say well that's true yeah um and it was so you know i think i certainly from a personal point of view it was great for me i, I needed to do some different things at that time but it was very it was great to come back and um really appreciate it and enjoy it again and yeah. i've enjoyed it a lot more this time around 
that's good that's good i think that's that's the something that we sometimes forget isn't it to enjoy the music that we make and yeah we often lose sight of that why we that initial seed of why we why we are creative why why we initially wanted to do this in the first place so if we if we do fast forward to this latest album the eighth eighth tongue album dead club um why death you see i I, i'm just intrigued to know why you guys decided to go off on this adventure of of exploring cultural differences and cultural tendencies about death and dying what was the catalyst for it yeah so i guess i mean i guess the project as a whole it more it's more towards the cultural tendencies uh around death and dying in, in our culture but and also we did explore other cultures to a certain extent as well um i, I just am fascinated by the subject and I, i'm i'm also a bit perplexed that other people aren't as fascinated because i think it's such a it's such a huge part of our existence this fact that we're mm. here and then it it ends and you know the people we love are going to die and we're going to die and i think it's a really it's very hard to get your head around and very interesting um, and very tragic, as you know, and um, mm. it affects us all deep, deeply. I can feel how the ground would not cry. So I'm, I'm fascinated in general by the subject and I, I noticed, one thing I especially noticed over the years was just my difficulty around people who were grieving and that desire to be supportive and I would find that I would be, say I'm going, I meet a friend at a funeral who's someone very close to them has died and I would be really, really nervous and unsure of what to say and uh, hmm. and then I would say things in a inappropriate way or much you know much worse i wouldn't say anything you know mm. so and i felt that was something i really wanted to understand better and get my head around a little bit so those were sort of my main motivations and then i read um grief is the thing with feathers by max porter and also uh is being mortal around the same time we passed them around the band we were i think we were on tour at the time um touring the previous album songs you make at night and um both you know both just really interesting books so i i think the, the initial idea came from me that maybe this would be something interesting to do a project about and this idea of you know talking to experts in the field talking to scientists and philosophers and cr- creating mm. a project around that seemed quite quite a different way to work and quite exciting so it it wasn't an immediate yes from everybody like um initially within the band you mean yeah it was you know mike and i spoke about it first and he was we got kind of excited and we started speaking to the band and it was a there was a real mixture of feelings um which is quite typical when you're talking about this subject and and we were all concerned about could we could this be could doing this be hurtful in some way towards people is this an insensitive thing to do lots of discussions around it in the back of the van yeah but we eventually decided we would, we would do it, and um, I'm glad we did because it's been a really 
I would say quite an important experience, certainly for me. Yeah. And so what came first? Was it the writing of the songs or was it the conversations and the podcast and, and talking to the experts? What, which one did you go or was it, or were they both happening simultaneously? Um, it, it really was a bit of both, but mostly it was reading the books and doing the interviews and then the songs came out of that. So mm. there was actually one song that isn't didn't make it on the record that kind of got the ball rolling, uh, and that yeah. came from my own personal experience. But as I say, that's not actually on the record. Didn't quite fit in with what we <laughs> did. I wrote some of the songs, but I, the, my main role was I wrote all the the lyrics for the album. So mm-hmm. so the guys were and Mike were putting together musical part pieces, um, and so I was getting things sent to me or I. Would, I went down and spent time in Mike's studio. We were all sort of doing working together on the music. But I would find that having done an interview or read some books, the lyrical ideas came very, very easily. Um, I really mm. sort of felt immersed in that world and it, it just flowed very naturally because I was speaking to so many people and reading so much. So that was really interesting. Like a great, that was really fascinating as a, as a, just from a point of view of being a songwriter. Um, yeah. just do this actual like research and when I'm doing the research I wasn't thinking about songwriting other than yeah. the fact that I knew it was going to go towards songs and then I would be in the studio and Mike would say have you got anything for this he'd play me some music and like blam <laughs> it would just sort of go <laughs> come sort of pouring out so that was that was yeah. a really great experience just as a speaking as a songwriter had you had you had a a concept album before had you ever had this idea of making an album thematically or was this the first foray into that not really my closest the closest thing i've done is i did an album with a poet so whether the songs are all written um the lyrics were all written either based on her poems or collaboratively written so and that's sort of so that's kind of based around her poetry so that's the sort of theme but um but otherwise no so and if I just name a few of the people you spoke to, you spoke, as you just mentioned, Max Porter, the author of Grief is a Thing with Feathers, um, Darren Brown, the illusionist, uh, A.C. Grayling, philosopher, and Catherine Mannix, uh, palliative care physician. Um, really wide spectrum of, of jobs there. What were the sort of things that these people told you about death and dying that um, that inspired you? What were the, what were the, the nuggets of... Was it mainly they were talking about their own personal experience of loss or was it about general societal beliefs? What what were the things that you guys were touching on that inspired you? It varied a little bit. There, 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 I mean, Speech to Bell was one of the, she's a musician that Becky spoke to and she spoke a lot about her own personal grief um, because her, her brother had recently died. So that was quite powerful to listen to. AC Grayling, his his sister died many years ago, and so he touched on that. But so he's a he's a philosopher, um, and you know I've I've just who I've loved reading his books about the meaning of things and um, the philosophy of of life really. And I was interested to, as to what his take on death would be i mean one of his biggest things that he said is that um death is something that we will never experience for ourselves 
because we don't get to be there when it happens. So for us, death is experiencing grief and the loss of other people. Um, Catherine Mannix talked... I mean, she's really interesting. I'd recommend her book, which is called The End in Mind. She talks... So she was a palliative care worker who um, has worked with thousands of people at the end of their lives, um, you know, managing their palliative care. But also, but a big part of that is speaking to people about what's happening to them. And she really advocates for having conversations around about death with friends and family, um, about what your what you might want for the end of your life, about what they might want. And she, I think that's probably from the whole project. That's the biggest takeaway f for me has being this idea that it's okay to talk about death whether you're talking to someone who's grieving were you someone before who uh like me found it difficult to talk about it previously yeah i was i, I was always interested but i did find it difficult and i still do but i'm much more comfortable with the fact that i find it very difficult um you know and i still <laughs> when i'm speaking to if i'm speaking to someone who's grieving i still say really stupid things because I get nervous but it's not the same like I, I one thing that I did behind the scenes of the project is I, I was interviewing people who were grieving and for for various reasons it they those they were very powerful for us to listen to but didn't quite didn't quite fit into the public part of the project um but it was interesting because the the first time I had a conversation like that I was so nervous my heart was pounding in my chest I could hardly I could barely think straight just before the, the call and I had maybe seven or eight of those kinds of conversations and by the time I had the last one I wasn't nervous at all in and I wasn't nervous at all that's not quite true I was a little I was nervous but not it wasn't that kind of um intense anxiety in, yeah yeah that that makes it very hard to be supportive or um I learned that it's okay to talk about things and that people often want, I mean, it, that was interesting with the project as a whole, that let's, when I mention the project to people now and when I did at the time, you would get, some people are really very strongly against the idea of talking about it. And they don't, they, in a kind of, they really just don't want to know it's, it's, and yeah. for whatever reasons. Don't want to engage. They, may, they don't want to engage with that subject. But the other people jump at the chance to talk about it, and you can you sense a kind of thirst because yeah, yeah. often it's it was often people who were grieving, um, who just felt oh f finally I can actually talk to someone about this, someone who is happy to talk to me about it and willing yeah, to listen. Yeah. That so that was interesting. So how yeah what what in general was the you've touched on a bit there, but. Once you put the music out there, what was the response by the general public Did you, and your fan base? Did you find that it didn't quite hit home? Nothing to do with the artistic merit of it, but just purely because of the subject matter. Did you find it more difficult on the road, you know, singing those songs and or just in general in terms of general feedback from press and radio? And... So the press response was pretty good. Uh, well, it was a good response, um, and we got to do a few more in-depth interviews, and there was a little bit more interest in some ways than some of the other things we'd done. Um, we didn't go on the road because we did have a tour booked, but then for very sort of COVID-related reasons, yeah, 
didn't happen and um do you hope to one day to play these songs live to tour them yeah we'd really love to um so we hope that'll happen and it's um yeah it's just when the time when the, when yeah. the time is right with all our various families and projects and things it's it's something we'd really love to do so i hope that'll happen um the radio like it was we got radio play but it was maybe a little harder to get radio play and we did get feedback from the sort of um you know the radio pluggers who sort of pitch songs to the stations and things that um you know by that time obviously we didn't know there was going to be a pandemic when we made the record but by the time yeah. the record came out the pandemic had happened we were right in the middle of the pandemic so um i don't think there was a huge appetite from the radio stations to play music about death um <laughs> or, you know although some 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 did and maybe it would have been good if they had i don't you know yeah um it's part of that sort of natural response about not wanting to talk about it perhaps um but that, but what, that line that I took from one of your songs, you know, death is the new sex, everybody's talking about it. I mean, that, is, that line is so true for 2020-21, isn't it? Death is the new sex, everybody's talking about it. Death is the new sex, coming soon to fuck us all. Laser lights happening from her fingers. is yeah i mean what what was interesting is we did the project i mean i will just finally just in the final thing i'll say about your previous question is that um in terms of the response to the record is that one thing we did get which we've not really had before is we got a lot a huge number of personal private messages from people basically saying thank you and very touching stories of um their own experiences and how this they were grateful that we were doing this and talking about it so that that kind of that's the thing that made me feel okay it wasn't a terribly insensitive thing to go and do do you feel like maybe now it's gone back back into the background again post pandemic do you think there's a, a a sense that maybe again again people don't want to talk about it i i don't know i think my personal viewpoint on it is a little skewed partly because I, I've now become part, in a small way, I've become part of this community of people who talk about death. So, you know, um, I, I'm at some, I'm kind of, and people know about the project, so they ask me about it. So I, I get a sort of unrealistically large number of people asking me about death, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, since the pandemic, and we, as I was t- t- telling you before, earlier we moved to Sweden because uh, I was working as a guitar teacher in schools and all my work sort of dried up so I we moved over here to be closer to my wife's family so long long story but but the the end of the story is that we live in the sort of fair, fairly rural area in Sweden and I don't you know I'm busy with work and childcare and I don't watch the news much so <laughs> I, and I, I got rid of, I'm not on social media right now because uh, I find it a bit of a a bit of an addictive drain on my time and energy so uh, i don't i'm not quite as connected with sort of what people are talking about in the world in general so i'm, I'm not sh- i'm not sure i'm not sure if we go sort of back and or turn the conversation slightly to to yourself personally you know you said you had a lot of thank you letters from people thanking you for bringing this subject out into the open what uh, 
what do you feel like creativity brings for you what is the what is that 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 drug i suppose what 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 are you looking for in creativity is there an element of healing of something for yourself what or is it still the escapism what what is it for you that makes you want to be creative and write songs i think part of it is just like a pressure valve thing you know if you're someone as i am it's who found life very challenging especially conflict and avoided conflict and became very much a people pleaser in in a sort of subconscious way really so I wasn't aware that I was doing it so I I would feel quite overwhelmed by you know work and school and things like that but all that's all that stuff is down is down there somewhere in your system you know or in your subconscious and I think creativity can be a way for that to come out you know you it's on some level you kind of express these things from within you and that releases this sort of pressure valve and of course this is a metaphor for I don't know or I don't know what's really going on there but but that's how it that's how it feels so I think partly it's it's just that maybe it's to do with telling stories I don't know you know when you when you create you're often there's a there's a story or an implied story Mm. there especially as a songwriter and when you craft stories about what's happened to you, you, you get in some way to choose the story, or, or at least you're, you, you're making the stories that you have more conscious. And I think there's something about making your inner world more conscious that is to yourself mm-hmm. that's, that's useful, because otherwise, you know, you're reacting all the time. Um, certainly that's been my personal, that, that seems to be the thing that, has been has helped me to function better in the world and enjoy life more is becoming conscious of my reactions and feelings and and learning that a lot of it is um you know I, I i'm triggered a lot by a lot of different situations in life and i have quite intense feelings come up and in the past i would attribute those feelings to the situation i'm in and i would probably start thinking about them and then i would probably behave in a way that wasn't helpful for the situation whereas I'm much more able much more of the time to to notice oh I was, well I'm feeling a really intense feeling wow well, that's, in- that's interesting uh, I wonder why you know it's not it isn't because my wife just um said I shouldn't leave the you know the dishcloth dish <laughs> in that particular place next to the sink that's not this feeling is not they don't match you know it's not yeah. a rational sort of response um yeah it's that element like you say of of better understanding your emotions is that is that still the the fulcrum of why you write songs is to better understand yourself and and i suppose what i was also alluding to is that feeling of you've written these songs about death and dying and it's it's connected to people and helped them heal um, by listening to them, does it still help you? Uh, you mentioned before it was more about escaping perhaps daily life, but is it now maybe better having the tools to better understand and deal with what's going on and hopefully therefore improve my my own responses to it? Yeah, for me, that escapism is almost a slightly different thing. It's um, It's that, you know, when you start doing this creative work, and it starts leading in certain directions that have 
benefits in the world that are not related to creativity or your inner world, that can be kind of alluring and tempting and, and can seem like an escape. But the actual creative process itself has always, for me, been this lovely process. And I, I'm not quite sure why, but it feels like it's like a natural thing that has always happened with you know I, I just feel this urge to do it and it feels really special just when I'm just by myself doing it um I do think there is something about when you create something that represents a, a something that's universal in some sense or at least um feels universal to a certain group of people that. Mm that sort of recognition of that is powerful in some way, you know, um, when, you know, if, I, I know if I write a song and it evokes, see, sometimes I write songs and they evoke, you know, I'd, I'd be crying while I'm writing the song. Uh, and, but, yeah, but, yeah. but then it turns out the song's crap. <laughs> you know, it's just, it just, <laughs> it's just that, that it was about something, this sort of, for me that it's evoking a certain story, but, but I haven't maybe written the song skillfully enough to evoke that in someone else. But, when yeah. when I've written a song and I can evoke that feeling that I get in someone else, then I think there's something special. That's the jackpot, that's the isn't of, it? Yeah, something special happening that's that's worth doing for pe- for for not just for yourself. Um, but the first bit is really worth doing for yourself because it's it's fascinating. Sometimes I write a line and it'll make it'll make me feel very emotional. I think, oh, that's really. That, so there's something about that subject or that line that's worth paying attention to for me, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. So looking ahead now, um, what sort of creative endeavours do you have on the horizon? And do you envisage yourself revisiting grief and, and death again in your songwriting? I wouldn't intentionally not revisit them. They do pop up in my songs and have done since the st- since the early days really so even in before we did this project that they are subjects that have come up fairly regularly just in the same way that love has come up and uh other things because i feel that they're part of life um so i don't have any specific Mm. plans um but um you know i'm 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 interested in the subject so you never know um and otherwise you know i think there'll be There'll be a new tongue record at some point in the yeah. next year or two, uh, and I'm I'm doing some other writing for myself as well. So, yeah, we'll see see what happens. And does songwriting and, and creativity still have that same allure for you now as it did that you know eight nine year old who first picked up the guitar? Is it still as uh, as appealing and as intriguing for you, and as useful? Yeah, definitely. In, in a much more um, I'd say in a much more satisfying way, I think, you know, for for many years I sort of struggled with feeling is what I'm doing worthwhile and that kind of thing. Whereas now I, I really, I, I really just enjoy the process of doing it for, for my, for its own sake. And, um, I'm very lucky that I've had the, the opportunities have come along, which is just, is luck really, you know, that have, meant that some of the music I make or the projects that I get involved with have enough sex enough <laughs> enough sex that's not enough success <laughs> um, enough, enough sex appeal in uh, them <laughs> <laughs> enough success um 
that they they get out in the world you know and and that's a nice feeling for things to get out there and also some of the things I do I, I make enough money that I can um justify spending a bit of my week working on them which when you you know when you've got a family and you're trying to pay the bills and things is is a factor you have to have to consider it can be fa- it can be hard to find the time to fit it in um and even harder when it's not it's not bringing any any income in which i'm sure a lot of people will relate to um so you know at the moment i find i i it's working out about a day every two weeks that I get to spend and I'm very grateful for that time and it always feels really special but but you know the song because I'm writing those those especially working on lyrics and things that those are always sort of rolling over and popping into my head and I I grab the odd five you know five minutes or 20 seconds here and there just to make a note of something so yeah it feels like a really wonderful it's like doing yoga or going for a swim or something it's like a, a lovely thing to do yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking to me, Sam, and I really appreciate your. I've really found it really interesting your your take on on death and dying and 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 implementing that in a, in a, into a creative body of work. And uh, I wish you all the best for the future. And I hope to one day be able to hear these songs live when you, when you guys are next on tour in the UK. Um, so yeah, best of luck with everything. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll see you out on the road one day. Yeah, I hope so. It'd be nice to meet you. I, uh, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. So thanks, thanks for asking me on. Cheers, Sam. For more information about Sam's band Tongue and their album Dead Club, head to their website. That's tongue.co.uk. T-U-N-N-G. Information about the songs that I used in this episode are available in the description. Make sure that you rate and subscribe to this podcast as it will help to spread the word about Feels Like Healing. Thanks for listening.